I am Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to America Can We Talk. Today we're going to talk about Women's History Month, International Women's Day, and the ERA is back. And Blexit, Jexodus, and the feminine exit from the radical left. And last, Pelosi and the Dems gave thumbs up to illegals voting and voter fraud. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Last Friday was actually International Women's Day. I don't do a show on Fridays. And this whole month, February, is in America Women's History Month. I want to talk just a tiny bit about that. I know some people on the conservative side uh, are down on the idea of having Black History Month in February. They're down on the idea of Women's History Month in March. To me, if all you're going to be talking about is celebrating the advances in America, the advances around the world for women, for minorities, you know, it's a great thing. You can draw attention to women who maybe didn't get enough attention in history books or Americans, uh, black Americans in history who didn't get enough attention in, our, in recounting our nation's history. But the problem with holidays like this is always this. There will always be leftists who want to make the conversation about not celebrating advances, but instead making the entire conversation about criticizing America, criticizing our country, criticizing our history, criticizing the present status of things in America, how great America is for women, how great America is, how much, how much, much we've advanced, great strides made. Instead, it's always about criticism. And I'm going to be talking in the next segment about how we have in this country come to the point, thankfully, that there are now actually movements on the part of black and Latina Americans. That one's called Blexitus, a brand new movement that I just read about this morning, started by some performers in New York City called Jexodus, which is referring to the Jewish exit from the radical left. And I want to then talk about what we need to do in America today. We need a feminine exit. A feminine exit, exit, feminine exit, pick your own word, lexit, wexit, whatever it's going to be. We need to encourage women to exit from the controlling attitude of the Marxist American left that tries to control the political conversation and the agenda always and only around skin color, gender, race, ethnicity, things that nobody chooses, but tries to divide America into the victim class and the oppressors. It is the left-wing Marxist mindset over and over and over on dozens of issues. But in this first five today, in this first five, in this deep dive Monday, I want to let you know, I was reading over the weekend, realizing that you remember the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, and it was something that was actually passed uh, in Congress, I think like 1972. Yeah, 1972 was 47 years ago. And there was a big effort to get the Equal Rights Amendment ratified to amend the United States Constitution, ratified by, by the states in enough time. In fact, there is no time limit. That's one of the problems. They got two-thirds of Congress to pass it. So two-thirds of Congress approved it back in 1972, and then the Constitution calls for three-quarters of the states to actually ratify it. Well, there is no... So Congress passed that in 1972, and then when 1982 came along, they didn't have enough states yet ratifying this Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, then they, they uh, gave it an extension. 
So here we are in the year 2019, and the radical left is again talking about pushing the ERA. And the ERA, very, very simple language, it basically is language that says that men and women have equal rights, that the Constitution guarantees equal rights to men and women. Very short. And while the idea sounds lovely in concept, the ERA never passed the states, never could get to that three-quarters of states ratifying it because of the efforts of many conservatives, including notably Phyllis Schlafly, who pointed out this just could be a problem. Before we get too carried away with this, let's actually think about the practical consequences. Well, those same practical consequences that caused it to be ultimately to not achieve ratification are present today and even more so in spades. So I just want to mention briefly why. And I'll tell you folks, I'm a lawyer by background. I want women to have equal access to colleges and institutions and jobs and careers. There is there and we have a multitude of laws already in place in Washington have been in place. In fact, in fact um, the Equal Right, the Equal Pay Act came about, I think it was like 1963. I mean, many years ago, Equal Pay Act, the Title VII Act, guaranteeing no sex discrimination and in, in employment. We have federal regulations and federal laws that protect, that prohibit discrimination based on sex or gender, that those laws have been in place uh, for decades. We have more women than men graduating from college these days, more women than men graduating from the top law schools, more women than men graduating from the top medical schools. We have in career after career after career, a success story in America a success story for women having equal access to education, to careers, to promotions. So the point being, there's no crisis going on right now. We're not back in the era when women couldn't vote. We're in 2019, where women are doing great in America, but yet there's a resurgence by the radical left in the idea of pushing the ERA. And I want to just tell you a few reasons why this is a really bad idea. And in the next segment, I'm going to tell you how it ties into the radical leftist mindset. But a few reasons the ERA does not belong in our Constitution. And by the way, the left is dangerously close to getting that three quarters of the state's approval. I think they only need one more state. Five states that ratified it years ago, decades ago, have now reversed their decision, announced they, they no longer support it but they ratify at the time. So we're going to end up in the Supreme Court in a battle uh, over whether or not this ERA gets added to the Constitution if, this, if one more state comes along and supports it. But the reason I do not support the ERA, and I urge you to really think about this, I'm with the women who want equal access to jobs, education, salaries, promotions, positions of authority, every aspect of American society. But I'm also a woman fully aware there's actually a difference between men and women. We really don't want an ERA in place just standing alone because of the impact on the draft. Very logically, we decided years ago the draft applies to men. We have women, and I, I have friends who joined the military, who served in the military. I'm in favor of women being in the military, but the difference of a draft when wartime comes and you're going to have, you're going to draft women as well as men when logic and just 
biology, the nature of life tells you there are many jobs in the military, many positions in combat, many positions women simply cannot fulfill. There, I mean, the bottom line is there is, honest to goodness, a biological difference. Sorry if this is a flash news to the left, a biological difference between men and women. We don't want to have women in the draft like men are. We're also going to end up with battles in state after state over many laws that, that are in place, and the federal law, too, relating to welfare. We have women, infants, and children. It's actually a program that, that provides benefits to mothers, single mothers with children. So all of those laws presumably will be invalid. You can no longer have women, infant, and children program, even though common sense, life history tells us that women are the ones who end up being single moms raising children. Far fewer men do it. Some men do it. It's mostly a problem with women not having uh, a, any source of income and being the primary caretakers for their children. We're going to have problems with the whole battle. You thought we had battles over the bathrooms before this? If you're going to have an equal rights amendment and you're going to have people then able to argue, the Constitution requires it. I should be able to use any restroom I want. Restrooms, showers, locker rooms in college campuses and public places. All of that is given a new impetus, a new, uh, it's a new bit of ammunition for people who want to fight about issues like that. There is, it's just a sweeping, there is a sweeping broad uh, list of unintended consequences that would come from the ERA and on top of that, it takes away our ability, our right as citizens to think through and reach policy decisions based on fact, based on public perception, based on fact. The idea that the military has had to explain more than once to Congress and in all sorts of settings, the idea that actually men and women aren't the same and it's really very difficult for women to do a lot of the things in the military that men can do. But we reach those kind of policy decisions. We, we battle them out in Congress and in hearings in, in Congress. We battle those out with the ability of people who are actually involved in the military being able to say, being able to tell, testify, this is the difference. This is the issue. This is what we've experienced. This is why we are concerned. All of that ability to bring human reasoning to solving the issues we face would be obliterated by the ERA. And the thing is, if there was a radical problem in our country, if there really were a crying need to finally assert that women are equal with men, this would be a different conversation. But that's not what's happening in America. America has made tremendous strides in bringing women and men into equality in our society, having equal rights to all sorts of, not just jobs and education, but rights of, there, there are no longer laws that say women can't own property, women can't, women are somehow limited in any legal way. The laws just aren't there. And so the idea of the ERA is really, and this is why my, I get to the core reason I object to it, the ERA is just simply a bait and switch operation. The ERA is one of the many examples of the way the American left works relentlessly, or as my friend says, call it the anti-American left. The anti-American left, the Marxist left, works relentlessly to bring the changes they wish to inflict on society. 
The ERA is not going to take us anywhere we need to go and it opens the door to a hundred more battles the left has in mind should we possibly let this ERA pass. We come back from this very brief break. I'm going to talk with you about the what the, the agenda of the American left is and why we radically need a feminine exit, a female's exit from the radical left in America. Stay tuned. to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I hope we can talk about all sorts of issues. But today I want to focus on, because this is uh, this whole month of, of uh, March 2019, is Women's History Month. And this past Friday was International Women's Day, which, by the way, International Women's Day had its roots in socialism and communism. I don't want to waste time on today's show going into the history of it because it's not that interesting but if you want to know about that check it out research it go online you'll discover it has its roots in radical leftism but let me just start with this idea of what it does what what happens in societies and our society included when we make decisions we make policies around gender skin color ethnicity national origin we make policy around traits and characteristics of people who do not necessarily have any connection with each other. I mean, I I, I don't have particular connection to every woman in America. Uh, there are women in America with whom I, I, you know, stridently disagree in pretty much everything. If they're left-wing women, I have women in America that I agree with. The point is race, ethnicity, national origin, gender, sex, none of those inherent characteristics in the slightest shape thinking. And there's no reason, therefore, to shape policies or politics around those categories. They're just they're just a means or method of the American left to silo America, to put us into silos and groups and be told, because you are a woman, you must believe this. Because you are a person of color, you must believe this. Because your ancestors came from X country, you must think this. It is not only irrational, an irrational basis around which to form policies, that being you know, race, sex, gender, national origin, blah, 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 it's actually offensive, it's actually obnoxious, it's actually judgmental to, be, to tell a woman, because you're a woman, you must be a leftist. And I'm gonna tell you in just a moment with the Women's March people, because that is all about how they think, all about what they're trying to tell you how to think. But before I do that, I wanna introduce a quick term, and, um, and I've talked about it on the show before, but the reason that this siloing, this hyphenating America stuff is so anti-American is because it actually obliterates the real idea of America. The real idea of America is, as recited in the Declaration of Independence, as carried forth in the Constitution, the real idea of America is to have a country rooted on the rights of individuals to live in freedom. The rights of individuals recognized as God-given rights simply because you were born to live your life you, to pursue life, liberty, and your pursuit of happiness in your way with God-given rights, with a system designed to protect you living out your individual freedom. That's what America is. 
the radical left in this country, and by that I mean pretty much the Democrat Party, but the radical left thinking in this country does not like any of that idea of individuals thinking and forming their ideas based on their education, their values, their religion, their principles. They want to silo you. The term cultural Marxism is something we'll be talking about more and more and you need to understand more and more. You know, Marx, Karl Marx and his whole socialism, communism thing, that idea was that the government should own all the means of production. The government owns everything. The government tells every, they own every product, they own every service, they own every home, they own every product. The government gives permission to the people to live a certain place. They're told where they have to live. They're told how they, where they have to go to school. They're told what the job they're going to hold. And the idea that government controls everything is Marxism. Well, cultural Marxism is a really important concept to understand because among the many avenues it takes in modern American society, a, a minor one, not a, but one I mentioned on the show before is the idea that because Marxists recognize in this country that America would revolt if they suddenly said, hey, the government should own all of the oil industry, all the energy industry, all of the hospitals, all of the medical facilities, all government should own those things. We would intuitively still know as Americans, wait, no, we don't do that. That's what communists do. This is a free country. So one avenue cultural Marxism takes is just to say, okay, okay, you know, we're, we're, the government, the lefties here aren't trying to own all these things. They just instead want to regulate them out of existence, regulate away the freedom of the free market system, regulate away the idea of a free market economy. So instead of the government owning the oil industry, if you had Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal, the government wouldn't technically, as Marxists, own all of the energy industry in this country, but it would regulate it out of existence regulate the oil industry out of existence. It would control the entire energy sector in this country. Much as under Obamacare, the Democrat-led Congress took control of the healthcare system in this country. These are steps along the road to socialism and its kissing cousin, communism. All communism is, is socialism with no way out. Cultural Marxism is this idea of instilling in people's minds the idea that we have that society, instead of being made up of individuals with a variety of skills and talents and gifts, society is simply made up of the classes of people who are the oppressed and the classes of people who are the oppressors. And the Marxists, the leftists, the Democrats step in to say, okay, now that we've convinced all you people that you are the oppressed, you are the oppressed women, you are the oppressed people of color, you are the oppressed Hispanics, you are the oppressed whoever it is, you are the oppressed, and everybody else out there in our country are the oppressors, and we, the Democrats, the Marxists, the leftists, we're here to take care of you. Give us all your money, give us all your power, and we'll fix everything. This is the modern day Democrat Party's mindset. It is an ongoing, relentless determination to eviscerate from American culture and society the concept of individuals living in freedom and instead to turn our thought, twist our thought into seeing ourselves as simply a victim class whose only possibility of achieving fairness in this country is to surrender power to the radical left. 
This is the Democrat Party's mindset in this country. This is the reason when Nancy Pelosi was talking during, I think it was the 2012 elections, but she gave us some speech where she ended up saying the Democrat Party is the home for uh, African Americans and Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, for women. She didn't talk policy. She didn't talk what is it they're going to do about, with or to or about those people, those groups. Instead, she talked about, we claim we have our nasty clutches into people based on a category of their identity that they didn't even choose. This is cultural Marxism happening in this country. And a great thing is we now have the, the uh, three movements going on. One, I just was reading about today, this uh, group of young Jewish, and I think they're mostly performers, um, singers and actors. I think one was like a famous gymnast, but they formed a new thing called the Jexodus movement, J-E-X-O-D-U-S, Jewish Americans, another group that the radical left claims, we own you. Jews must vote Democrat. Black Americans must vote Democrat. Women must vote Democrat. And every group that they identify, get their clutches into, they, they plant in their mind the idea that they are the oppressed. And Democrats say, don't worry, we'll fix it. We'll, get, we'll set those oppressors straight. Well, Jewish Americans have long voted along those lines with the Democrats. But this new movement, the Jexodus movement, was started by Jewish millennials who said they are tired of the Democrat Party's blatant disregard for anti-Semitism. The whole incident we talked about last week, still in Congress now, we have the Democrat Congresswoman from Minnesota, Ilhan Omar, putting out, you know, this is even, even before she was in Congress, tweets, posts, ugly, obnoxious anti-Semitism, and now she's in Congress, and she's still doing it, and the Democrat leadership in Congress could not bring themselves to condemn her. In fact, all they did was put a resolution out saying, hey, you know, we don't like hate. We're, we're against hate. We don't like hate at all, you know. And they lumped in a bunch of other forms of alleged hate, and that was supposed to constitute their denunciation of her. Well, this group, the Jexodus Movement, and by the way, if you're, when you, we're, however you're listening to this, whether it's live or you're listening to this later, you know, sometime after the live show today, uh, you can go to my website, americacanwetalk.org, and I put up a link to this story several links, I think, to this Jexodus movement. It's a great idea. And what it really is saying is Jewish Americans should think for themselves. They should not just vote as a block, as a silo of Americans, just because the left tells them that is how they should vote. They should not do that. And their idea, their point is to Jewish Americans, think for yourselves. Why do you keep voting for a party who can't even condemn Representative Ilhan Omar? Why do you vote a party that lar- for a party that largely opposed listening to the state of Israel and placing the American embassy where the Israeli government wants its capital to be in Jerusalem? Why do you keep voting for a party that sympathizes more with the Palestinians who are forever sending rockets over into Israel to kill them? Why do you still vote Democrat? So it's a think for yourself message and it's a they don't own you message. As a small aside, by the way, I was actually proud there were uh, several Republicans, I don't know, 13 or so, um, who did not vote with this left wing, um, you know, this, this way, 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 way watered down denunciation of hate in this resolution that was designed to get after Ilhan Omar. One of them was Liz Cheney. She's a congresswoman from, um, from Wyoming. And she gave an interview where she basically said, 
that if you sign along on that resolution, you just signed on and agree with the Democrats who are just, as she said, they just refuse to mention anti-Semitism connected with Re Representative Ilhan Omar because they're protecting her. And she's saying, no, you should have denounced what she said and her name and then and say that's what we're but you know she's saying the democrats are trying to protect her so uh, i love that love that that happened um and then and then we also of course had the blexit movement we talked about in this show many times the blexit movement is just taking the american uh, political scene by storm blexit black and Le black and latina exit exit from the democrat party or as their website says you should go to it it's so fun to listen to blexit b-l-e-x-i-t.com their homepage says, inspiration, Blexit is fueled by individuals who are questioning political dogma and choosing freedom over tyranny. These are their stories. You can listen to all these great stories. African-Americans of every age, you know, um, men and women, uh, young people, people who've been Democrats their whole life, saying, I finally realized that I was being manipulated and controlled by the tactics of the American left trying to tell me just because of my skin color, I owed them a vote. And in fact, what Candace Owens, among others, frequently says in her public speaking is, to, when she's speaking to black Americans, she says, what is it the Democrat party has really ever done for black America? What? The, the uh, Great Society, which caused the destruction of the black family and um, low-income families of every background in America. Is that why they, they get our vote? I mean, actually name for yourself, this is her challenge, name for yourself what it is that the Democrat Party has done for black America. She's inspiring people. She had a massive Blexit rally, uh, I think in February um, in Los Angeles. She had one last year. She's really stirring the pot, saying essentially, stop being told how to vote based on your skin color. Think for yourself. Don't let that, black, that absolute determination by left-wing America tell you, because of your skin color, here's how you have to vote. Don't let them, in fact, she often talks too about, don't let the left talk to you like you are a victim. You don't have to agree to the victim label. You don't have to embrace the victim mentality. Speak up. Be alert to, be aware of how often the left is trying to entice you to think that you are indeed a victim. And just say no. You're only a victim if you agree to be. She's been brilliant about it. Now I want to turn to what I think the third beside this, um, I can't say the name correctly, this Jexodus, which is obviously a play on the, the book in the Bible, the Exodus, uh, when Moses went and freed the Jews from the slavery under the Pharaoh in Egypt. And they've had the Exodus, the, bo the book of the Bible, Exodus, about the Jews' journey back to freedom, which took a long time. But this Jexodus, this Jewish Exodus from the Democrat Party, you have the Blexit, there needs to be a feminine exit, a feminine exit, a female exit. You can call it Wexit, Lexit, whatever you want to call. We need to have the same inspired, standing up, same message that Candace is saying to her fellow black Americans. We women need to say to each other, which is we need an exit from today's radical leftism, from the Marxists who are in control of the radical left in this country because they don't speak for us, they don't represent our values, and we do not owe them our votes.
even I'm gonna just tell you, like as an example, the women's march. You know that the whole, even the name is obnoxious and offensive. The women's march does not stand up for women. It stands up for radical leftism in this country, radical leftist ideas, and there is no reason, just because of the gender, no one in their whole life from the moment they were born chose their gender you just kind of you're born a boy you're born a girl the idea the left tries to say because of the gender that because of the sex you were born with if you're born a woman you owe your um you owe your votes you owe your allegiance to the american left no no you do not and on this idea just think for a moment what it is that the american left is trying to say about why women, what the Women's March is trying to say about why women must vote for Democrats. I'm gonna just tell you, this is from the mission statement of the Women's March page. From This is actually from their page, their mission statement, what they say the Women's March stands for. Number one, abortion on demand. Now I gotta tell you, there are a lot of women who are pro-choice and there are a lot of women who are pro-life. And you know what, we're just, this is because Women are individuals. They actually think for themselves. They actually do not have to think what the Women's March leader tells them they have to think. And so we end up with women in this country being told by the American left, being told by the left that because you're a woman, the Women's March stands for you and you stand for abortion on demand. No. Women get to think for themselves. The Women's March stands for radical leftist women's views, just radical left views. Next one, Women's March says they stand for LGBT, they have a long LGBTQIA rights. This is the Women's March saying that if you're a woman, you must agree with the radical left Marxist idea on LGBTQ rights. You must agree with the transgender agenda. You must agree with the idea that no one in this country is allowed to discriminate. Even a church, even a business is allowed to say that they believe in marriage as being one, between one man and one woman. The idea that the LGBTQ agenda, which, you know, this is a free country, you can have an agenda, you can advocate for it, the Women's March is a very sinister, the labeling it Women's March is a sinister effort to dupe women into thinking, well, I'm a woman, so I guess this must be what I'm supposed to think. No, the Women's March does not stand for me, you, and millions and millions and millions of other women. Also, Women's March stands for, they call it workers' right. Well, okay, who's, not, who's against workers' rights? Who could be against that? What they mean by that is, they are talking about such things as the rights of undocumented workers, translation, illegal aliens, the right of illegal aliens, right of migrant workers to have to have to right to work here, even though they're not legally here, the right to join unions, the right to go on strike. I mean, this is a this is transferring rights we may or may not accord to legal workers to people illegally here. They also, and this is another tactic of the American left and tactic of this ERA argument, is using language that sounds so general, so friendly sounding, so innocuous. You think, well, who could be against that? Yeah, yeah, workers' rights, that's me. Okay, they talk about equal pay. Well, equal pay for what? If they mean equal pay for exactly the same work, okay, but that's already been the law since 1963. 
what they're getting at here, here is the radical leftist agenda to force employers to dictate to employers what they must pay people, to require employers to pay people the same amount, even though they don't contribute similar value to the business. That's what the equal pay fuss is about. If you haven't watched in the show before or haven't read anywhere else, let me just quickly tell you, when the radical left says, well, gosh, women are still only paid, you know, whatever the number is now, 83 cents on the dollar or 73 cents on the dollar, that is a bold-faced lie. That is only true if you just simply total up the number of women working in the country and total up the number of men and figure out, you know, women on average are paid less than men. It doesn't, ha it, which is irrelevant to anything. What's only, what is relevant is if you have a woman and a man with the same education experience, the, the same education, the same experience level, the same commitment to the job, meaning, you, you know, you're comparing two full-time people or two part-time people, when you, you ferret out all those factors that logically cause employers to pay people differently, you really hone down into a male and a female, same education level, same experience level, same actual job, same part-time or full-time status or the same, the wage gap disappears. And the thing is, the leftists who fuss about this all the time, they know that fact. They already know that. But to them, it doesn't help their agenda, which again, goes back to the radicalness of the American left. They do not like the free market concept of people being paid based on the value of their contribution to society, the value of their contribution to their employer. They want to dictate everything, including forcing people to pay equal pay to people who are not providing equal value. I could go on and on. There's a ton more in the, uh, in the Women's Rights March that is, um, is just vital to understand, a ton more that's vital for people to understand the women's march is a radical leftist thing you might agree with some of their agenda items and disagree with others but the point i'm getting at with this today and this kind of deep dive monday is jewish voters are supposedly and hopefully in this country going to pay attention to the jexodus movement the idea of the Jewish exit from the radical left because the radical left is actually not standing for their values. The Blexit movement, which is black and Latina Americans exiting from the left wing values, left wing, the Democrat party and the left wing big government values because black Americans have been encouraged to think for themselves, recognizing, hey, they, those values aren't mine. They're not standing up for me. Same with women. We need a feminine exit. We need to encourage people women to think for themselves and recognize there's very little of the American left that millions and millions and millions of Americans, women actually support. There's plenty of reason for women to be just as bold, to resent the idea of their votes being owed to the Democrat party, resent the, resent the assumption of the radical leftists in this country that somehow they have placed women in a silo and because we got told what silo we're in, we'll know that all we're supposed to do on election day is vote with uh, left-wing America and we need to rise up out of that. No way. In fact, if you live in this country, in America, and you see the stats for women and jobs and the accomplishments we have made and the bustling economy has brought prosperity, has brought jobs to women, and you want to say, no, I'm, I'm going to instead vote for the Democrats who are promising you, promising you in 2020, if you'll just give them all your money and all the power there is, that they will 
somehow make life fairer by raising your taxes, expanding the power of the federal government, expanding regulation, limiting businesses and their ability to produce jobs, somehow they're telling you in this economy that that's a better plan. It makes no sense. No sense at all. We're going to take about a three-second break here and go to my last little segment for the day, which is entirely changing topics again, which is why I love the show, because I can do at least three topics in a day. I want to tell you what Nancy Pelosi had to say about whether illegal immigrants should vote. Stay tuned. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, so Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, the leader of the Democrat Party in Washington, the House leader, she uh, was in, in uh, Texas, which is where I am, the great state of Texas. She was in Texas and made a speech relating to uh, the immigrants and voting. I want to play a clip and then talk about what passed that were the Democrats passed in the U.S. House last week, um, their H.R. 1 for the People Act. Here's Nancy. In the campaign, the candidate that I, the president that I quoted the most was Ronald Reagan. That surprised you, maybe. But Ronald Reagan said this. This is the last speech I will make as president of the United States. And I have a message which I want to communicate to the country I love. He went on to talk about the Statue of Liberty and what it means to the world, that beacon of hope, what it means to people who have come here and seen that statue welcoming them. He said, our ancestors, our grandparents, our parents. We in California see people coming from a different direction, but the same welcome. You see them coming from this, many from the south, southern border, but should be the same welcome. He went on to say, though, after talking about the Statue of Liberty, the vital force of America's preeminence in the world is every new generation of immigrants who come to our country. And when America fails to recognize that as our vital force, America will fail to be preeminent in the world. So when we talk about newcomers, we have to recognize the constant reinvigoration of America that they are that we all had in our families, and that, unless you're blessed to be Native American, which is a blessing in itself that we respect, but that constant reinvigoration of hope, determination, optimism, courage to make the future better uh, for the next generation, those are American traits, and these newcomers make America more American. And we want them, when they come here, to be fully part of our system. And that means not suppressing the vote of our newcomers to America. Okay, the level of duplicity in that quote, I, I can barely contain myself. I have like, I don't know what it is, I have like five minutes or something, but let me just tell you this. Ronald Reagan was the president who did amnesty once and said it was like the worst mistake of his entire presidency. He never, ever said Let's let everyone who's entered our country illegally just become immediately a citizen. He, he regretted very much amnesty because he saw what happened. All it did was encourage more people sneaking into this country. Nancy Pelosi is arguing there. She's smart enough not to put it in plain English, so I will do it for her. 
She is arguing that America needs to give all of the illegal aliens in this country the right to vote. That's what she is arguing. She is arguing to immediately make them all citizens and to give them the right to vote. She is fussing about the idea that on the census, we are going to begin asking if the Supreme Court makes the right decision, or what I think is the right decision, on the census, we'll be able to actually figure out if you're a citizen or not. She doesn't want that. Nancy Pelosi is telling you, she's telling America, she wants to give illegal aliens the right to vote. Now, she's in every way possible, her party is already trying to do that. They are already trying to do that, to give illegal aliens, people who broke, just like someone breaks, you know, breaking and entering in someone's home, they they broke our border, they crossed into America illegally, breaking and entering into America, and her answer is great, give you the vote. And so we are at a place where, you know, 2020 presidential elections next year, the Democrats are trying every trick in the book to make sure that illegal aliens somehow can vote because they are aware, and there's mountains of data that backs it up, and I've already been reading it, I'm not gonna bother you with it, mountains of data that show that illegal immigrants and even new immigrants to America overwhelmingly vote Democrat. They vote for Democrats in Congress. The districts that have a higher percent of new immigrants vote for Democrats. And the reason is not because they think that they, these these new voters think because they love America and they want to vote for the party that's going to uphold America. They want to vote for a party. They do not yet understand, many new immigrants, the idea of America, the concept of individual liberty, the concept of limited government, the concept of personal responsibility. They are voting for the big government, left-wing, tyrannical kind of ideas the left stands for because they don't know any better. And in America, the idea that we're even having a serious discussion about whether illegal aliens can vote should be alarming. But I will tell you, if you think, if you doubt me, if you think the Democrats really aren't, that I shouldn't actually conclude from what she just said, that they would let illegals vote, do you realize last week when that bill passed on Friday of last week, which uh, the Democrats called the For the People Act, which is basically mandating, making legal, requiring states to put in place laws that will force voter fraud to happen. They are trying to encourage voter fraud in this bill that the Democrats passed. So last week, one Republican congressman tried to put up um, a motion, um, a um, Dan Crenshaw, who's actually even a, a Texas U.S. representative, he's a first-termer, he put up a motion to recommit, essentially asking for reaffirmation that only U.S. citizens should have the right to vote. The Democrats voted it down. Understand me, do not doubt me, the Democrats would let every illegal alien in this country vote. And we also had the Democrats pushing 16-year-olds voting. Now, the 16-year-olds thing is, you know, honestly, I thought sometimes the voting age would be about 35, but pushing for 16-year-olds to vote, only one Republican crossed and voted with the Democrats, but they are working very hard to have the most ignorant among us, the most malleable, the people who have had the worst experience in American history, not learning in their schools what America's all about, what freedom is all about. The Democrats are pushing to have those people vote. I tell you, this thing passed the House, Obviously, it won't get through the Senate, but 
This is a window on the mindset of the American left, and you have to understand that. This For the People Act, despite in, in addition to all the things I told you about this in the show last week, or two weeks ago, what is in that bill, it mandates states to put in place laws that will encourage ballot harvesting, will encourage fraud. Even It's so bad in terms of repressing free speech, even the ACLU, the ACLU, the Democrats' friend, has come out, come out against this bill. So the last two things, again, these articles I'm talking about on my website, AmericanCanWeTalk.org, go to the homepage under podcasts, click on links, list of links or something. It tells you all of the, these, uh, it has links to these things. Let me tell you a few other things in that bill that are actually there and would become law if the Democrats ever had the Senate and the White House again. They have preventing states from requiring proof of citizenship to vote. Don't doubt me. Pelosi, the Democrats, want every illegal alien in this country to vote. They don't care what their status is. They don't care they're not citizens. They want them to vote. This bill prevents states from checking on citizenship. It also enables people to easily vote at multiple addresses you just got to show up at the voting place, say, hi, I'm Susie, I live here. They go, okay, your vote. You can go ahead and vote. It encourages people to vote at multiple locations, which you will not discover, which the voting authorities won't discover till long after the election. There are numerous provisions in there that are profoundly unconstitutional, also provisions that simply shut down political conversation, something else the left lives and breathes and hopes to do all the time. Well, folks, I'm out of time, sadly. This is a uh, podcast four days a week, or I could have called it my show, The American We Talk Show. It's every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I am all about preserving this most extraordinary, exceptional, wonderful experiment in human liberty, America. We need ev all hands on deck, every woman, every man, every voter paying attention to how radically left America's left now is. They're not on the American playing field. They are the Marxist mindset has overtaken the American left and patriots are needed to speak up and stand up to preserve this precious country. If you're watching on Facebook, please like this page. Please share these segments. Please review this page. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Love new subscribers. Please comment. Please email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I try to respond to all the, the emails. And also, I love so much if you would encourage your friends to listen to this show. This is a, this is a rallying cry show. This is a mission show to try to preserve, to help do my part to help preserve this most extraordinary experiment in human liberty, America. Talk to you tomorrow. Can we talk truth about America?